This is the IFF TV podcast. Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. I am delighted to be joined by Aram from Football Kentron to get the lowdown on Armenia ahead of uh, Armenia versus Republic of Ireland in the UEFA Nations League, of course, this Saturday at uh, at 2pm Irish time. I'm not sure what time it is for you, Aram, because you're joining us from LA. We had an eight-hour time difference. It's like midnight or past midnight now for you. It's 8am for us here. How are you this morning? I'm fantastic. I'm exhausted, but I'm ready to talk about Armenia as always. Yeah, well, fair play because I know we've kind of been back and forth the last couple of days and trying to organise it and stuff like that. And this is literally the only time that kind of fixed for both of us. And I know you're probably just dying to go to sleep, but we'll get you to chat a bit about um, Armenia and hopefully this excitement won't keep you up for the rest of the night. But uh, generally speaking on these opposition previews, we just get a lowdown really of kind of what to expect from Armenia and... um, you know who we should be fearful of and and who's the real threats from an armenian point of view but uh i suppose just kind of from our point of view whenever like we look at armenia as a team that pose a threat um although you would say that ireland should on paper win this game um it's never an easy game it's never an easy place to go to um that's what a lot of irish people would be looking at but from your point of view kind of what are you expecting and um yeah, kind of what way do you think you guys will set up? It's a tough one. I think uh, considering, you know, every team that is in Nations League B is there for a reason, uh, one way or another, whether that is, you know, going through promotion as we have to get to where we are. And and there is a merit behind Armenia getting to this point, despite our recent results, which haven't been that good. Uh, but before that, we had a wonderful streak, a great Nations League promotion campaign in 2020 that saw us edge out. Uh, Macedonia in a group with uh, Georgia and Estonia, uh, which was which was great. And um, but fast forwarding to now, uh, during the Nations League, we're coming off the back of a little um, a little bad slump, I would say, uh, very poor actually bad slump. But that's due to a number of reasons and a number of things that I can definitely get a lot deeper into. But um, what we're looking to do is get back on track, and uh, what better way to do that than to uh, play against who we feel like is a rival but maybe that's just not really reciprocated uh, i don't really think we, we kind of look upon you as a rival like there's one game that kind of stands out to me like uh, the one nil game when keith Fahey scored the one i think it was the last game of qualifiers in 2011 it was in dublin and it was the game that our goalkeeper berezovsky got sent off for a handball that wasn't a handball and that's the thing that haunts a lot okay. of a lot of army national team so fans. you just kind of hang on that and look upon us as like um the evil people because because of that like because it wouldn't be something that kind of generally runs through irish people's minds like you know what i mean but we obviously have our own issues with handball and thierry Henry, the exactly infamous you know so i can kind of understand i think i read an article today that was sent to me by i think it was like keep uh, back in 2011, and it was an article about how the decision against Armenia was direct revenge for that Thierry Henry handball decision. And this was published right after that game was done. Uh, so it was it was a very interesting article and a perspective that I think many Armenians agree with. But nevertheless, this is a very, very different Armenian team. Um, although that was one that we think was our most successful, arguably, national team and the closest we've ever gone to in uh, to a to a tournament but 
this set of players, um, you know, they have had their own set of achievements, such as that promotion in the Nations League. So, um, and we do have a world-class manager in Joaquin Caparos, um, who was the former manager and sporting director of Sevilla, uh, Athletic Bilbao, Levante, and he brought in a world-class coaching staff with him. Uh, you know, our fitness coach and our physio are from Real Madrid. Uh, our assistant coach has been with Joaquin Caparos, you know, throughout his entire tenure in his career. Uh, so we're being led by the our, the most experienced group of coaches that we have ever been led by. You know, I mean, it's always a tricky game for it. Even the one where Keith Fahey scored uh, the 1-0, that was been way back. I think that was away from home as well. Um, and you look at those games and they've always been tricky. They've always been tight and they've always been decided by like the odd goal. Uh, we we kind of look at Armenia as a team that could upset us, like as in they could potentially get the win because it seems as though, I know you said, you know, he's came close at that point, but it seems as though year on year, Armenian football is improving and, you know, you've players like Mkhitaryan who's came through and he's he's done, be, became one of the best players in Europe, especially when he was at Dortmund. Like I think a lot of people looked at him when he went to Man United, didn't really work out probably as, as much as he'd planned, but... I think when you're looking at Armenia, they always pose a danger and a threat. And I think that's something now, you know, Stephen Kenny, I'm sure, is looking at that going, okay, do I play my strongest team against this Armenian team? Because arguably Armenia are the weakest team in this group um, compared to Ukraine and Scotland. And obviously there's four games in 10 days there for, for Ireland. I'm not sure. Are you playing four games as well? We're playing four games and, and, I, and I sure hope Scotland are playing six. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you kind of look at it that in, in that sense and um, you're kind of going, well, he'll need probably to treat it kind of like a tournament. So do they play their best 11 starting off or do you kind of work that way in? And do you bring players like Seamus Coleman in at the start and then do you leave him out for like Ukraine? So it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. That's what kind of you said there, there's obviously deeper problems in Armenia and, you know, we, we know there was stuff there with Azerbaijan. I don't, I don't really understand the politics of it all. So you might kind of go into that so people have a, a general idea. Sure. I think, um, I think doubling back to what you first said, I think Armenian football has grown exponentially over the past few years. Uh, we had our first ever club team, uh, Alashkert, qualify for European competition. Uh, they qualified for the uh, UF Europa Conference League. We had a couple of teams that were actually very close, uh, mainly Adada Armenia, who was a fairly new team uh, that got to the Europa League uh, playoffs twice, back-to-back, end up losing on penalties in the first first time around, and ended up losing uh, 2-1 to uh, Red Star Belgrade in the second one. So it was it was very, very hard done because they could have they could have and should have easily been the first Armenian team to make it to European competition had the Conference League been around at that time. Um, and our players are slowly but surely moving towards uh, Western Europe. And that's something that Armenia's had a hard time because geopolitically speaking, uh, Armenia is very aligned to the East. Uh, and a lot of our players do end up playing in the Russian Premier League, which you know is a UEFA top 15 league. So it's not a bad league, but uh, as you know, a lot of players end up going there for a good payday and they never really make it back out West. Uh, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard jump. It's a hard sell. Uh, but we do have a lot of players playing in very good leagues. Uh, our captain plays in La Liga. Our striker plays for Hoffenheim, who's currently loaned uh, out to Club Bruges in Belgium. 
and just won the title over there. Um, and we have a young up-and-comer who was just voted player of the year at his club in Krasnodar. So we have we have a lot we have a lot of good things to look forward to. Do you think that you know Armenia? You know, people are overlooking them, and they're not thinking like like because every time we play Armenia, I actually I'm a little bit frightened. I'm thinking, okay, we have to be cautious here, cautiously optimistic, but but cautious in how we approach the game. And as I said, it, you know, it's never been an easy game, and um, we spoke there about you, you players coming through there. Um, I suppose from your point of view, who should we be fearful of, and you know, who do you think is your danger man? Uh, we have a few, uh, and I have a few key players that I've listed in in the three different parts of the pitch. But I think the main person uh, and and engine of our team and the future of our team is Eduard Spertian. He's a 21 year old central midfielder who plays for Krasnodar in Russia. Uh, he had eight goals and four assists this season. He is extremely, extremely talented, technically gifted. He made his Champions League debut at the age of 19 against Chelsea. Uh, he was part of that campaign that, that Krasnodar uh, made in Europe. Uh, he is already a set-piece specialist. He's, he's scored several free kicks this season, a couple of penalty kicks, and um, he's, got, he's garnered a lot of attention. We recently found out a couple days ago that uh, he has an offer from Nice in Liga and apparently one from Monaco as well. And Olympic Marseille are showing interest in him. So uh, at he's at a very young age, he's already shown so much talent and so much promise. And he's definitely the one player that we are we're very very happy to have because you know he's an Armenian from Russia. He's a diaspora Armenian and. Again, going back to these geopolitics, there are players um, that, you know, whenever they do express interest to play in other countries uh, or for, you know, their ethnic homelands, uh, whenever they do play in a league like Russia, they tend to get frozen out. But uh, and that happened to Edward whenever he said, you know, I want to play for Armenia. He got dropped from the Champions League squad. He got dropped from the matchday squad. And but he was he was too good for them to, you know, to keep off the pitch. Um and another great example of a current player that you may have heard of, I'm not sure, um, who is a Russian international now, Arsen Zakharyan, who plays for Dinamo, uh, who has been, I think, reportedly was going to sign for Chelsea this summer uh, for some wild fee, 40, 50 million. He's 18 years old. He's also Armenian, but he plays for Russia. And, and we've had several instances of this happening. And luckily, we're in a place now where players are starting to feel a little more comfortable choosing Armenia and playing for Armenia. So we're very happy to have Edward. And I think he's someone that you can look out for making deep runs from the midfield. He's very, very good dribbler uh, and he can pick out a pass and he can take a shot from the top of the box. So he's definitely, I would say, the one player to watch out for. Yeah, it's interesting, um, and especially the clubs that are in for him as well, like some of the biggest clubs in league on other than PSG. Like, um, I suppose like that's just one player. Is Mkhitaryan still involved? No, he is officially retired. Uh, he retired after I think I want to say it was like a month or two ago. He he said the announcement. Um, it was of course. I mean, it's here and someone who has really helped to bring Armenia's profile up. So we're eternally grateful to you know who we consider to be the best Armenian player of all time because that's what he is. Uh, best 
Armenian national team player of all time is debatable, although he is the the top goal scorer for sure. But uh, I think even if you just look at statistics alone, you, you would notice that in the past four years, four or five years, it's heavily, heavily dwindled and uh, trended downwards. Yeah, but doesn't he do stuff off the pitch as well? I remember him being like, a, I think he was involved in some transfers, a Man United transfer or something there recently in the last few years or something. But I know he kind of plays a big role off the pitch as well as on it. You know, um, I think he's a big ambassador, isn't he, uh, for, for Armenian football? Absolutely. I think there was a story that came out recently. Our fullback, uh, Girard Margarian, uh, who played in in Armenia for Adarat Yerevan, uh, was being scouted by a couple of Ukrainian sides. And of course this was pre-war. This was during the, during the winter transfer window. And one of his former teammates at shop from Shakhtar Donetsk uh, gave him a call and said, Hey, we're looking at this guy, Margarian. You've played with him. What are your thoughts on him? And Henrik said, you know what? I've only played with him a few times because he was coming off the back of some injuries. And he said, from what I've seen, very technically gifted, very good going forward. And he's a great crosser of the ball. And this teammate, and I, I wish I can remember his name, uh, said, that's more than good enough for me. We'll sign him. So he, he does definitely have that sort of draw and power. And and speaking you know, of that, he actually had a conversation with Arsene Zakharyan before he decided uh, to represent Russia officially. And you know, Arsene said he had a very long phone call with Henrik. And I think that was uh, Armenia's last-ditch effort to get him to represent us instead but of course you know yeah arson made his decision so uh sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't that star power yeah well we have had our own problems with uh with nations taking players on us so we kind of know how you're coming or where you're coming from with that um i suppose then the striker you mentioned from hoffenheim um you know hoffenheim are historically a good club in the bundesliga and um they produce good players you look at roberto firmino wasn't was playing there not too long ago he's obviously doing good things at liverpool these days so um, has has this striker got the ability of a Firmino, or is he just you know a, a really good player anyway? He's he's a very good player. He's not. I wouldn't say he's world class like Firmino, but he is a he is a very good player, and he's honestly just as hard of a worker as Firmino is. Uh, his name is Sargis Adamian. He is a um, diaspora Armenian who was born in Armenia but moved to Germany at a very young age. He is the um. He is the perfect example of a player that goes through the entire footballing system. He played in all the lower leagues, worked his way up to Bundesliga 2, had a hell of a season, and uh, ended up signing for Hoffenheim. Uh, while his manager at the time, Alfred Schroeder, who had signed him, was there, he was playing week in, week out, and he was doing great. Um, but once Schroeder had left and actually went to Club Bruges, uh, we saw Sako's time on the pitch kind of lesson a lesson uh and it got to a point in the in the winter where he said you know what i wasn't playing as much as i would want to and and uh alfred Schroeder rang him up and said hey i need one more forward at club bruges i know how good you are we want to win the title let's make it to champions league and you know he made that decision he went he scored eight goals uh in the second half of the season he's a workhorse of a player uh he doesn't score all the time for armenia i think he only has one goal for armenia but he was instrumental, instrumental in our Nations League campaign. Uh, he occupies spaces really well. He's very good at pulling defenders. Uh, and he scored that goal against Georgia that, you know, arguably was the main reason why we're in League B in the first place. Uh, so he's, he's, not a, a, he's not a household name. 
he's not a star player, but he does have a lot of European experience. He is a European caliber player. He's played in the Europa League. He's scored in the Europa League, uh, and he can do it in the Nations League for sure. Yeah, well, it's interesting to hear you say that. And then, you, you know, you, you've said two, you, had, you said you had three players. So who's the, la- who's the last one then that we should be Oh, I've, <laughs> I have three. I have two players in each uh, in each part of the pitch. Uh, the last one, it's a toss-up. I mean, we have, there's one player, Tigran Barcerian, who a lot of analysts look to because uh, during our uh, undefeated run of 11 games where, you know, we had that uh first three wins in the World Cup qualifiers against uh, Liechtenstein. And then we uh, were against Iceland and Romania. Um, and then we drew to Macedonia. And then, of course, ultimately lost to Germany and kind of went off a cliff over there. But uh, he's a player that, you know, when you look at the statistics, he was the one that stepped up. You know, in Henrik Mkhitaryan's absence, he scored the goals. Uh, and he is a great player. He's dominant with his left foot. He has the power. He has the pace. He scored this insane goal in training from like 40 yards out that uh, the Football Federation put on their on their Twitter. You should go, definitely go check that one out. It was a crazy goal. Uh, it, it, stats would tell you he is. Um, but I have another player in mind, actually. Uh, and his name is Vahan Bichakchan. He is a attacking midfielder who is not your typical, what you, what you would think, what you would see from an Armenian. He's a little bit smaller. He has a little bit of a wider build and um, he has a, a magical left foot. Uh, he was playing in Jelena in Slovakia for a couple seasons and he decided, you know, he wanted to make a move uh, to a place that he felt was a little better for him. And he made the jump in the winter window to Pogon Szczecin in uh, the Polish extra class. Uh, and he quickly became player of the month, actually, in February. He scored three goals uh, off the bench three times in a row starting from his debut to the second game to the third game. Um, and he is on his day, I would say unstoppable. Um, and we have a lot of these players that seem to be, you know, meshing together and coming together at this time where, uh, we have a lot of good shooters and a lot of good finishers being Adamian, Barcerian, Bichakjan, Spertian. And that's not something we really had before. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Joaquin Caparos chooses to set up his side uh, and how he chooses to utilize these players and whether he chooses to start them or not, uh, because he does have a history of um, making these tactical substitutions decisions ahead of time. Yeah. Do you look at this now as, you know, is this a game that Armenia be looking to maybe if you can get a win here, you could be looking at, you know, climbing the ranks there in the Nations League group. But, uh, do you think that you guys will be coming out the blocks with your, you know, your best team against us in the first game? Because I'm not, I actually don't know what way Stephen Kenny will set up against you guys because I don't know if, if he's looking at the other games as, you know, games where okay, I might need our, our best of the best players for those games, and you know, I still think players that are coming in can still do a job, but you know, away from home in Armenia with the fans hostile and on our backs, you know, it could be a, a tough game for, for a young player coming in to try and have one of his first games for Ireland. You know, I look at Festia Bazzelli or some of these players who have had a good season at Derby County, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'd throw him in there or Michael Obafemi. I'm not, not sure I'd throw them in there for this particular fixture. It's, it's um so for, from the Armenian perspective, we're looking at, you know, our goal, our target. To us, a good Nations League campaign is is staying up. 
um, it's to avoid relegation. So for us, third place is ideal, you know, and, and if we want to get third place, realistically, we need to do the double at minimum four points against Ireland and nick a draw against Scotland and hopefully nick a draw against Ukraine. And that's probably the only way we're going to stay up. So for us, this is a game that I do see Kaparos putting in maybe not necessarily our best 11, but the combination of players that do end up on the pitch will probably be our, our best that we have available at this moment in time. Um, because we do have a couple of injured players that we are missing that weren't able to travel. But, you know, the, the team that is being put out there has a lot of experience. Uh, we're, we're talking young players that have already played in Europe to seasoned professionals that, you know, have had their time in Europe. I, I think I counted something along the lines of like, one, two, three, about five players played in Europe this season in the Conference League. And in total, I think we had about nine players that are currently in this squad that have European experience. So we're we're coming we're coming with with a fairly experienced set of players. And and we're looking, I think, to do a professional job. Mm, yeah, we have um experienced players there as well. It's just I was just looking at some of the, the younger players. Stephen Kenny's brought you so many young players that so some of them now are kind of experienced. But uh, mm -hmm. I I I for the first time in a long time, um I agree with the whole squad that we've chosen. Like the whole squads you can kind of go, okay, that all those positions, all those players make sense for where they are. Um and players like Obafemi, who people have been calling for since March, you know, he has always had a bad injury record and hadn't played a consecutive number of games over a period so now he's done that and uh, now he's in there with Stephen Kenny same with Ebazeli who just got a move to Udinese in uh, Serie A which is it's not heard of that often with Irish players um, you know going there and looking to be maybe in the first team so it's exciting times from that perspective, but we have to kind of see. I think from our point of view, we're going to be cautiously optimistic. We're going to be looking at it as um, as a game that we're targeting to win. But usually what I finish off with is a score prediction before I let you go. So what are you thinking? Um, your head over your heart. Uh, this is going to be a tough one. I think I think I could see us edging it to one uh, with, the, with probably a late goal. But it, you know, for us, it really depends on on what that starting eleven is. I think uh, uh, on football, Gantone, we've been very uh, good about having uh, our our instincts have been fairly spot on. I would say, and this squad isn't the best squad that I think we've seen. And, and like you said, I think I don't think I've ever looked at an Army national team squad and said this is spot on. I wouldn't change anything. Um, but this is this is kind of close. You know, there are a couple players that I would take out. And 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 bring a couple that I feel are deserving in, uh, but I do I do think at minimum we should be getting a draw, at minimum at home, considering mm -hmm. it's at home. But I do think, um, considering the conditions, I believe it's supposed to be a very hot day in Yerevan, uh, and I believe it's an early kickoff local time. I think it's about five p.m. So I think the conditions yeah, it's two p.m. over here, so it would be around that, yeah. Yeah, very early. So the I think given the conditions, given I think you know what knowing our caliber of players and what they're capable of doing, um, I think we have more than what it takes to at least at least get a one-all draw, if not a two-one win. Mm, I'd probably go be on the the other side of the fence. But I'd probably say two-one to us. It's just we've been scoring a lot of goals and we've been looking very comfortable. Um, 
we beat Azerbaijan away from home and we had a good result against Luxembourg as well. I'm not saying that you're on the same level as them, but I just think the momentum we have at the moment and just the fluency within our play, like the players just really seem to be enjoying themselves for the first time in a long time. It's kind of like the shackles have been removed from this team and they're just allowed to play and we've a lot of pace and power. The only worry for me this time around is our midfield. Um, Josh Cullen is suspended and he's probably our best midfielder. Mm-hmm. So he's actually out of the game, but um, we've We've got Malumbi, uh, Howrahan, Hendrick, um, Jason Knight and a few others in there who will bring energy and it's just the creativity I'm worried about that we're lacking maybe. Um, and we've got players like Ogbene who stepped up and Callum Robinson. So there's goals in this team whereas before a few years back I probably would have been like maybe 1-0 or 0-0 but I actually see us score a couple of goals now and we're decent to watch these days. So um I'd say 2-1, but like, I would not be surprised if it was a draw, if you get yeah. me. And again, like you said, it's come down to what the start 11 might be. I mean, does he start exactly. McLean? Does he start Enda Stevens? You know, there's so many different positions that are up for grabs this time around. I, um, just, I think this, this game's going to be one on the wings. I think based on how you guys play and based on how Armenia, how we play, um, it's the, a lot of the battles are going to be on the wings. And, you know, whoever edges that out is going to have a slight advantage. But I think where the game is going to be won is the middle of the park. If if we, you know, if Edward Spertian gets his foot on the ball a lot, if he gets a lot of touches, uh, he's he's going to dominate the center of the park. And and I think that's going to spell a lot of trouble for Ireland. But I think, you know, if it's vice versa and you guys are dominating us on the wings, I think it's we're going to have a rough time. Hmm. I think it'll be one in the second half regardless. Um, I think as, as the, the game goes on, that'll be when it's uh, when it's you know, really contested and really won. But uh, I just want to say a huge thanks to you, Aram, for uh, coming on. I hope you said your name there and give it uh, justice. But um, no, thanks for staying up. Thanks for, you know, coming no on and giving your your side and kind of giving us an education kind of of uh, the Armenian team. Because as I say, it's always great to kind of get the inside view from a fan who follows the team religiously so you can actually kind of see. And it, it actually always usually, when we're watching the game, it actually helps because any of the people that we've had on before... We, They've always played, as as the people have said. So I'm looking forward now to kind of see how that kind of comes to play. Obviously, I hope you're not right in your result, but uh, <laughs> may the best team win. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thank you for having us. We, you know, we, we try to take every opportunity we can to help Armenian football grow. Uh, we're, of course, still very small. We're in our infancy, but, uh, you know, we try to put our best foot forward every day and and, you know, educate people, like you said. So thank you for giving us the opportunity. No problem. And uh, if people want to follow your page, I saw you got a thousand uh, Twitter followers the other day. Uh, what's the, is it at Football Gentron uh, yes. on Twitter? Yeah. Yes, at Football Gentron on Twitter and it's at the Football Gentron on Instagram. Mm. Uh, we also have a Facebook and a YouTube channel, but um, the YouTube channel is just our, our podcast uploaded on there, uh, just in case anyone wants to listen to it on that and not on Spotify or Apple where we're also available. Yeah, soon enough you'll be having your video content uh, out on um, your YouTube channel with a bit of luck. But uh, yeah, listen, uh, best of luck, may the best team win. And yeah, it was a privilege having you on our channel. So thank you very much. And guys, if you're uh, watching this or listening to this, make sure to check out the lads there. Uh, very good content. And in fairness, following very few, but has a lot of followers in return. So uh, <laughs> make sure make sure to uh, head over. It's just nice to... We always try to keep up. Like we've had Luxembourg fan channels. We've had... The Belgian football podcast, we've had loads of them, like of all the teams that we played recently. And uh, it's just a nice that Serbian football as well. I think you guys follow each other too. Yeah. Um, 
and just just nice to kind of keep up with you guys and um, see kind of how things are going. And it's not it's actually a good way of keeping up with uh, any of the players because like, you obviously be talking about Armenian footballers and the transfer news and, and all of this. So um, it's great to see and uh, long may it continue. But uh, anyone who's watching this, uh, thanks very much for watching. Don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe. And uh, yeah, check out Aram and the lads on football. You say there, Gentron? Gentron, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so check them out and um, yeah, uh, check out all our other content from this week of all the press conferences from uh, Abbottstown, from all the Irish players. And we have our own preview. And uh, yeah, just check them all out. Loads of content to keep you in the know. We'll speak to you all soon. Thanks for watching. The IFF TV Podcast, presented by Paul Nealon. Like, rate, and subscribe.